welcome to this bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus episode, I'm joined by the co-founder and CEO of Grown Alchemist, Jeremy Mouse. This episode is sponsored by Grown Alchemist in celebration of the Clean Start program a program designed to help consumers refresh and reset their skin. Committed to helping you on your journey to truly healthy skin, Grown Alchemist want to support your clean start. For a limited time, select any Grown Alchemist product to give your skin its clean start. You'll receive 10% off one product, 20% off if you purchase two products, 30% off three products, and 40% off four products. The more products you purchase, the more Grown Alchemist will be able to support your skin and well-being journey. To herald the launch of the Clean Start program, I spoke to Jeremy about all things clean beauty and sustainability. To learn more about the Grown Alchemist story and the business side of beauty, you can hear more from Jeremy on episode 35 of this podcast. In this conversation, Jeremy shares what clean and biocompatible beauty really mean to Grown Alchemist, more on the body's natural ability to heal itself and what we can do to ensure it's able to function at its best, and what the future of sustainability looks like for the brand. A lot of different people and different brands have assigned, I guess, their own meaning to the word clean. So what does clean mean to Grown Alchemist? Well, I think it's got two parts. One is um, a technical, functional part, right, Um, which is about ingredient lists. Um, It's sort of, it's not necessarily a very grey area, this part, um, in my view. Um, So we attribute clean to natural, mm-hmm. right? So as soon as you start to put um, significant amount of artificial man-made ingredients in a product, it starts to get less and less clean in our book. Mm-hmm. So what I think we're ultimately <clears throat> charged with as, as part of the clean industry and what we should be doing um, is, is getting as close to 100% natural as possible. Now, if you'd said to me 25 years ago, or sorry, let's just say 15 years ago, um, 25 years ago when we looked at clean, no one really had an understanding of clean and there wasn't a lot of options. Um, And then um, ever since that moment, things have become sort of more and more sophisticated in the clean space. And I remember 15 years ago, about, well, actually about 12 years ago, we said, look, it's really possible to achieve 100% natural products that are efficacious, in other words, work really, really well, but are actually natural. Um, and at that point, there was a lot of contention around that, primarily because ingredients, preservatives that were natural, those kinds of things were pretty tricky to get hold of and very expensive. and and we're being created in low volumes because there just wasn't demand. So, um, but now, if you look at our product range, um, we're a hundred and, gosh, I think about 130 products. Um, we have, a, I think it's five that are not 100% natural. The rest are. 
And we've got, um, out of those five, the, the percent natural is 99.8, something like that. Wow. And so, so what you're sort of looking at is in the non-natural version of those products, you, you, in our view, they're healthy and they're clean. Um, so it's, that's a functional analysis, right? That's kind of like, okay, you're ticking a box. Um, you're, um, you're pushing towards natural, natural, natural. The other part is I think connected to health. So healthy. Um, and I think what people are saying and asking for when they ask for organic, when they ask for clean or natural, they're also asking for, um, for healthy, whether they're articulating it that way, I think that's part of what they're asking for. And so what, what that means is a couple of things. You can have a hundred percent natural product that has too much essential oil or an imbalance of essential oil or too much, um, sort of, uh, citric for instance, um, or, or citrus content. Um, it can be, um, uh, even like if you take a product like an enzyme exfoliant, it could have too much um, active enzyme in it and then therefore create some danger at a consumer level. So even though it's 100% natural and, and clean from a formula, formulation perspective, it might not be wonderfully healthy for your skin, right? Right. So it might have uh, irritants because it's got too much of the um, the natural botanical or essential oil content in it or an, an imbalance of some kind. I imagine that word health is going to come into play here in as much or as little detail as you wish. Why clean beauty? Why does Grown Alchemist create clean products and why do you feel that consumers should be using them? Um, I think, look, this is um, fundamentally at the heart of why we even started Grown Alchemist as a brand. Um you know, I think every brand represents um, a promise and an ideal and a commitment, right? And mm -hmm. and that promise is, is an exchange between you and a consumer. When the consumer hands you over some hard-earned money, you're, you're making a promise to deliver something, right? And so when we started Growing Alchemist, we actually didn't start the brand itself, the product part, we started with the idea that we would actually create this moment in someone else's brand. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially no one wanted it um, and no one, and, and people just didn't see it as an important thing. And in the journey of really creating it, um, we just started to learn some very fundamental things. And I think things that we will look back in 10 years time and go, I can't believe we didn't know that. Right. If you, if you go back to like the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, we were putting, you know, people were putting arsenic in skincare to create white skin. Right. Oof. And, and, and you look back now and you go, what the heck were they thinking? You know, people were dying at 35 and we're going, I wonder why. Um, and so, um, you know, I think in the journey of creating uh, Grown Alchemist, we started with this very fundamental premise is, um, is what is skin aging? So let's just forget all the things and all the nomenclature and all the promises and all the trademarked ingredients and you know what we used to call miracle in a jihad moments um and and put all that aside and just say listen forget even skincare let's just whether it's topical or food or whatever let's just put 
get down to, to really a very simple level and what, what is skin aging? And at, um, at the time, and we still have strong connection to um, uh, one of our um, founding um, chemists who was a human biologist. And essentially his whole world, he looked at not from cosmetic chemistry, but from human biology and said, what does, what does, what affects the body and how does the body function? So simply put, aging is really a process of de-healthing, right? So if you look at a 65 year old skin or body, um, what you're looking at is, it sounds horrible, but you're looking at a body that has lost function over time through the aging process. So that function is essentially cell vitality, um, things like in skin, elasticity, collagen mass, all those kinds of things, right? In the body, it can be muscle mass, it can be, um, it can be the increase in toxicity through fat content, through, um, through uh, you know, um, biological processes that get lost if we don't use them as we age and, and as we get distracted by other things that we've got to do, like bringing up families and get earning a living um, and stop exercising and stop eating and treating ourselves healthy, healthily. So essentially that function starts to decline to the point that when you're 90, the level of function you've got in your body is much less than what it was when it was 25, right? It's very easy to see when you look talk about a gap like that. That function is essentially biological health, right? Decreasing. Mm -hmm. So many people have heard the statement that every year over the year of about 27, you lose muscle mass. Yeah. And so in order to maintain muscle mass, you've got to go to the gym and work out and do healthy things um, and keep your body active. That will help create strong and sustain strong, healthy bodies and bones and all those other things. So that is essentially maintaining function longer, which is the same thing as maintaining health longer. So for us, we started to explore this in very weird spaces, not in skincare. So we looked at it um, from a what creates health in the body perspective, not necessarily health in the skin, on the basis that the skin is really a barometer of the body. So if we can create health in the body, through activities like healthy eating, uh, through healthy thinking. This one challenged me particularly. I wasn't a big advocate of it to begin with, um, but the mental processes you, 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 you create uh, or, or have affect your chemical release in your body. So the easiest of those is stress. Everybody gets it. You stress, you release negative chemicals into the body, to essentially toxicity. Mm. Um, and the opposite happens when you're calm, happy, relaxed. Uh, and then you can also apply that to sleep. If you don't get enough sleep, you don't, certain mechanisms of the body don't have a chance to renew through a, a healthy sleep cycle. So, um, so we looked at it from a whole bunch of different angles with the help of, of very talented people. Um, and it's a guy called um, Dr. Albert Adad, he basically, uh, no, Dr. Albert Cavallo, I should say, he basically did his entire thesis on the circadian rhythms of the body and what mm. the body goes through on a 24-hour clock and how healthy mechanisms in the body need to um, 
space needs to be created for them with sleep and how renewal happens primarily when we sleep. So we started to learn all of this, really what now I think seems more common knowledge than it did back then 20 years ago. Um, and it's becoming more and more common and sensible. And, um, and it really challenged us, challenged the way we lived, it challenged what we ate, uh, it challenged um, the way we formulated product because we realized that everything in the body has, everything you put in your body or on your body has the power to give or the power to take. There's no in-between. Very, very rarely is something just completely inert, right? Mm. So we, as, as consumers, get the opportunity to make conscious decisions about are we going to improve our function and health and give to our, our bodies and add to our longevity or are we going to take from our longevity, right? And so we termed this phrase um, biological beauty, which related specifically to skinjevity, which is a kind of an, an idea around the longevity of your skin, right? And really all that is, it's kind of a skin name given to a biological process. It's longevity is a biological process. Skinjevity is just a, a focus on the skin. So we, we, we started working with this thinking um, and then said, okay, if health is fundamental to, to longevity and to skinjevity and to skin function, and then ultimately to how quickly you age and how resilient your skin cells are to aging or dehealthing, depending on which vernacular you like to use, um, we need to be the champions of health because that will create the champions of function. And that will give you the ability to have a biological age of 25 when you're 35 or even 45, right? You can absolutely beat your, the norm in society on a chronological age, no trouble at all. You can wipe 10 years off your chronological age biologically without too much change in your life it's it's just got to be somewhat conscious and so that uh, is two parts to that and this is really where health sits for us one is don't introduce toxicity in the first place so that is all the things that we you know we talk about the nose right lots of skincare brands go we don't have this and we don't have that and we don't do this and we don't do that important um uh so that happens to be the same case with food happens to be the same case with um, environment, with stress, mm -hmm. with digestive function, right? So you want to decrease toxicity across every platform that you can. Some things you've got control of, some things you don't. Some things you might think you don't have control of, like thought, but you probably have more control than you realize. So it's making those positive changes. That's the first thing. So it's about not introducing toxicity in the first place. Secondly, it's about, and, and this is where a lot more energy should be focused, I think, in our industry and across um, many industries. It's about resourcing the natural, biological, renewal function of the body. So simply put, your body is geared, pre-diagnosed, structured, whatever way you want to say it, to 
to to fix itself, right? Mm. I remember sitting in front of this um, this uh, general practitioner um, who was a who is a um, an expert um, uh, in a space that's starting to gain traction, but some time ago they were into it and um, and very interesting space called functional medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and we were talking about um, how do we stimulate great biological responses in the skin and the body? And she said to me, she asked me this bizarre question. She said, if you break your arm, you come to me, can I fix it for you? I said, yeah, of course you can. You're a clever person. You're a GP. You know about the body. No problem. She said, no, I can't. Nope. Can't do it. All I can do is create this environment, right, mm. which is a cast in her case, where, the, yep. where it sort of positions the body into that space of healing. And, in, and miraculously, without me doing anything, you just eating your, your food and living your life, the body will, in about eight weeks' time, completely regenerate bone, re-knit it together, create this kind of like repaired arm. It's incredible. It's, 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 if you think about it consciously, you just go, wow, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's an amazing process. And so she said, functional medicine is about resourcing that moment. And so how do we resource the natural renewal processes that already exist in the body that you were born with? How do we do that? And if we can tap into that moment, in the body and in the skin, then the ability for your body to actually heal itself from toxicity, from damage, from environmental damage, some damage, all of those things is, is greatly elevated. The ability for your skin to regenerate collagen, to mm. hold on to elastine, to do these sort of hydration, build better hydration uh, is, is and, and create more um, powerful, active, whole cells is so much better. So that sort of became the quest. And for me, that is very much part of this health not thing, right? It, it's, it's health is not just a stagnant thing. It's a, it's a dynamic thing. And so what we try and do uh, in every area, whether it's topical or otherwise, whether it's intravenously, whether it's vitamin-wise, whether it's recommendation on diet or whatever it is, we are looking to, to number one, let's just not introduce toxicity in the first place because that just uses up valuable uh, antioxidants in the body, valuable energy in the body that goes to unnecessary um, detoxification and, and, and repair that we don't need to do. And if we, mm. we can stop that introduction of toxicity, then we can focus the body much more powerfully on healing and actually renewal and spend the antioxidants that we generate and that we can capture from food, spend the um, energy in the body for the natural renewal process on actually creating better, healthier longevity and younger biologically um, biological mechanisms in the body. So that is a more complex part of health, right? Mm. Um, and that is what I think, you know, people are now, when it comes to longevity conversations and skinjevity and all those things, people are now more focused in that area than just simply saying, look, we don't put dimethicone in our product, right? Well, okay, great. 
Um, we don't have sodium lauryl sulfates. That's great. And that's sort of, to me, sort of very much step one. Um, I'd call it sort of, you know, that's really, too, that's, that's so 2000s. Yep. <laughs> um, it's a bit wanted. ticking a box, isn't it's it? It's a bit ticking a box. And, 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 and really what we want to be spending our energy on is, okay, you are naturally going to lose collagen. It's just part of, it's like losing muscle mass. What are the steps you can take topically, food-wise, um, environmentally, that can help sustain longer the collagen mass in your skin. So when you're 65, you know, grab the skin on your hand and pull it up to the roof and it's all thin and, you know, sort of silky, but it doesn't have any mass to it. And, um, and, and that's what I think is the most amazing thing about natural when formulated right. You are, you are creating a wonderful environment and clean and healthy, right? Natural, clean and healthy. Sort of put them all in, in, in one group. You're creating a wonderful environment for the skin to um, to be as uninhibited and as healthy as possible in the skin cells. And then what you're doing is you're saying, right now, I'm going to put on that skin cell ingredients that it can recognize, utilize, that are naturally structured, so that the body has the greatest uptake of those nutrients, disseminates them and resourcing the body for further renewal and further maintenance. So it wants for nothing, right? So when it goes through its natural process that we do, you know, we, we don't stimulate the body's ability to renew a skin cell every 28 days. We don't do that. The body does that. Mm -hmm. But we're there with the ingredients to help assist in that process and to make it a really powerful moment. So that skin cell is, is doing the very best it can. You've given me a beautiful segue. We discussed this way back in episode 35, but it would be remiss of me not to hone in on it again now. You really pioneered this concept of biocompatible beauty. How would you define that? What is biocompatible beauty? It's a sort of a, a lovely fancy word for um, uh Ingredients that beauty and ingredients and formulation that works with the natural mechanisms of the body. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to use natural ingredients. It's the same thing as food, right? If we think about mm -hmm. food um, and think about putting something in our mouth, if we put something in our mouth that's grown, that's natural, that has that's actually what we would have thought about as food a hundred years ago or so. Um, the body knows what to do with that. It understands its molecular structure. It knows how to extract nutrients from it, disseminates them into the body beautifully, right? That's the way we were programmed. That's why we, we, we were built to, to function. As soon as you mix that up and create what has been termed many different things like frankenfood, um, genetically engineered, whatever you want to call it, mm. and you create essentially man-made molecules that might taste like, look like, smell like food, but actually have a whole bunch of additives to it. The body gets confused. Or maybe it's smarter even than that. It says, I'm not having a bar of it, right? Mm. And so when you put it in, the best you can hope for is for that to be flushed out of the body. 
Yeah. Um, that's your ultimate. You sometimes see it as an allergic reaction. It's like, it's like, you know, refined gluten. You can get a thing called keratosis pilaris, which is bumps on your arm mm. with, with a gluten response. It can be more severe than that. Um, so what we're doing is sort of in this space, we're kind of crossing the line between how we look and how we actually function and, and, and the health of our body, not just the health of our skin. And, and this is the dilemma with natural, healthy, clean is you can't just be surface because everything in the body is connected, right? So you'll get some benefit from not putting stuff in, but to really, really trigger um, great skin, longevity in skin, um, and, and skin that performs fundamentally differently, um, you have to look at a holistic space, food, everything. So yeah, um, so biocompatible is essentially saying we're, we're going to create, number one, using ingredients that the body can recognize and utilize. Number two, we're going to formulate ensuring that those natural molecules don't get disturbed, broken up, uh, and, 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 and additives don't get added to them, right, that aren't, mm -hmm. that aren't natural. We are seeing a lot more brands now move towards clean formulas and a lot of these brands are companies that once considered clean formulas to be too expensive or just too difficult do you think that that shift is consumer driven and why um firstly i think it's fabulous yeah um i think you you know i i, I genuinely believe the playing field for beauty should be clean yeah um i think on a positive side, we're seeing a lot more regulation than there's ever been in, in, in beauty, mm -hmm. um, which I think is only a positive thing. Um, I think it's somewhat dependent on the company. So you kind of have two spaces, right? You have um, brands who have started their entire world is for a reason. Right, it's for mm -hmm. a um, brands have started a, a, a inner space because they come from a natural mindset. They're absolutely passionate about the space and about making sure that that the journey of their consumer is 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 nothing but healthy and wonderful and natural. Right, um, and I think they've there's a lot of well-meaning people who have started in that space and have done it out of a, out of a, a calling or a, a desire, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think as they've done it, it's been, gosh, very painful to educate a lot of mm. consumers along the way um, because there's been a massive amount of education required and still is. Um, and then I think what's happened in the process is, is we've got a generation who, who knows how to find out stuff for themselves, right? Mm. And is way more skeptical of what they're being told in a marketing brochure or on a, on a brand website. So they fuel um, sometimes um, wrongly or sometimes completely correctly, 
they fuel this um, the space of uh, um, of natural and natural formulations and all those things. Um, I think then as a sort of side note to it, this whole idea that this is a fad is passed and we've yeah. got larger companies now saying, gosh, we've got to have a piece of this clean business. If you look at the beauty market, just from a straight commercial perspective, clean is growing at still at about 40% per annum and traditional beauty grows at about two or 3%. Right. Yeah. So it, it's a very attractive space to play in and the, 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 space of the, the size of the market has grown you know incredibly in the last 15 years so I, I i'm not sure how pure the intentions are always but look i i kind of go um let's look forward and go i think the most important thing here is the market whether it's pure intended or not is getting driven in that direction which is great you've mentioned the amount of education that was required to you know, the growth doesn't come from nowhere. That obviously has come from education. Do you think that there's still work to be done? I know there were once many, many misconceptions around the efficacy of clean formulas. Does that stigma still exist at all? Uh, it absolutely does, um, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish it didn't. <laughs> um, I think it's come out of, um, you know, if you, if you wind back the clock a little bit, um a lot of people started because they may have had a allergic reaction to something. They may have had a, a friend who was <clears throat> um, pregnant and want, and wanted something that wasn't going to harm or have any negative chemicals. And they were thinking about food or so many different reasons. So they literally got the pots out and boiled something up on the stove, right? And not cosmetic chemists and very unregulated and may have been something as simple as soap or may have been something more kind of complex. But at the end of it, um, the, the end result, I think, um, was there was sort of this, and rightly so in some cases, this, this sort of uh, feeling of, well, how, how do you create a, a sophisticated anti-aging moisturizer when someone's just literally boiling it up on the stove and putting a few things in and hoping for the best, right? So I think there's, there's, there's definitely a stigma related to um, to the industry as a result of that. Now, there was a bunch of people also who had very clever cosmetic chemists um, and were taking a completely different approach because they'd been in the industry a while and, and, and knew about how to formulate and, um, and knew about active ingredients. And so uh, for a long time, I remember our, our biggest frustration was we would be on shelf with a product that had some of the best actives you could find anywhere on the planet sitting next to a cream, right? Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, and they'd be like, why is your product, you know, 20, 30% more expensive? And you'd be like, well, if you just look at the active ingredients alone, they're substantially different. Mm -hmm. And I think as a result, um, uh, it's taken a while for that to be recognized and natural. It's already well recognized in traditional beauty yeah um and then i think there's a there's a bunch of consumers who are yet to be educated or sorry maybe not educated but yet to jump on the clean space whether it's food or or um skincare right 
It's just not as important to them right now. Uh, and there's probably not enough information around it um, still. And, and that goes for food as well. Um, you know, it's, it's absolutely, um, when you've been in the industry a little while, it, you, you sort of feel it's remarkable how little is common knowledge when it comes to just some basic things in food and beauty. Um, but we have to remind ourselves that we spent all day in this, uh, looking and researching and talking, talking to each other, uh, convincing, um, you know, and, and, and showing paper, scientific, you know, journal papers and all sorts of other things that we, we spend our time looking at. Um, and so it's kind of like, uh, convincing the choir, you know, or preaching to the choir, everybody, all of us are sort of already on board and understand the importance of it. Um, and, uh, and so I think it's, it, it it's still education has a significant role to play. A discussion around clean beauty lends itself to a conversation around sustainability. Grown alchemists use recyclable glass bottles, aluminium tubes, premium PET plastic. What more can you tell us about the brand sustainability initiatives? Well, I think I think the first thing every company, clean or not, needs to engage in um, is is a carbon footprint that is zero, not by purchasing carbon offsets necessarily, mm. but by actually creating sustainable earth-friendly um, uh, materials uh, and, and products. So it kind of starts with um, packaging often. It's the most visible thing. So you can use um, packaging that is... Um, that's return to nature packaging. Mm -hmm. the, the only problem with, so this is things like biodegradable um, plant-based ingredients uh, in packaging. The only thing you've got to be careful of in this space is whether it actually gets done. Yeah. So if it goes into a recycling bin as a biodegradable item, it doesn't, it ends up in earth. Uh, it ends up in um, a fill, landfill. Yeah. Um, and of course it's treated and preserved. Uh, so it doesn't smell. And so then it just sits there as bulk matter that's sort of going to be around for years, right? Um, for hundreds of years. Um, so I think the first part of packaging is trying to get as much of your packaging as possible into 100% infinitely recyclable. That's, you know, it's either that or you've got in a country, you live in a country that's got very good um, biodegradable processes and you can actually or you do it yourself right and i think there's massive massive changes in the space all the time that you've got to stay on so we've got aluminium tubes for instance that are infinitely recyclable which means every time you recyclable recycle them you don't lose anything out of the recycling process amazing whereas if you take a pt bottle although it's the most recycled material in the world um it is not necessarily uh high yield recycling so right. you, you may only get 30 to 50 percent recyclable material off a pet recycling process so so when it comes to what we do um on a packaging level we're constantly pushing that envelope 
We're also looking at, so we'll use materials that are ocean bound plastics. We'll use materials that are not only, there's, there's, a, there's a new additive that we're actually looking at right now um, that not only captures, um, not only means that it's biodegradable because it's enzyme efficient, um, but it's also recyclable. So if you put it in a recycling bin, you can recycle it. If, you, if it ends up in a, in a, uh, a biodegradable facility, then it can be broken down and biodegradable. Wow. So those are innovations that you can now add to um, manufacturing processes. And I think because there's such a great deal of demand for it, I think these opportunities is just going to become more and more and more. And the conversation about being earth friendly is going to be so obvious to us all. Of course, you've got to be that. Of course, you can't, you know, create something that's a one-time use. Um, and so I think that's really important on a packaging level, every part of your packaging. Um, and so, you know, there are companies that we're part of like positive luxury that, that, um, are constantly bringing innovation to us as a business. And also we, are, it's kind of like a pool. You also contribute into that space as well. Um, we're also um, on our journey for B Corp, which is another sustainability kind of um, uh, important um, accreditation. Mm -hmm. Then there's the actual product itself inside the product, uh, inside the container, which is about being what I would call um, uh, earth friendly from a, gray water perspective yeah so being able to take water from the bath the shower whatever it is um uh, from the sink and actually throw it on a garden without mm. any issue uh and without any um uh, danger to nature in fact it, actually, it can actually be a very, very positive thing uh is is fabulous right um because it goes back into the earth and it just returns to the earth and there's no negative side effect Whereas if you, and, and so in, in country areas, we find people like our shower gels and shampoos and things like that, just because they can take the water, goes into their grey water tank and they can hose down the garden with it, right? Mm. Um, and I think those sort of practices are important as well because a lot goes down our drain. And, um, and not all of it can stay out of the ocean and we just need to look at you know, plastic content and things like that and, and fish and all those sorts of things to realize that, gosh, we, we're kind of poisoning ourselves one fish at a time, right? Um, and, and the ocean's full of that. Uh, I'm, I'm really optimistic that we can reverse some of this damage with some conscious thinking. And I think that's the responsibility of every company on earth. Um, and particularly in the Western world where there's some margin to do it, right? Mm. Where there's, where there's a, a, a desire by the consumer and the consumer is lifting and raising the bar continually for companies so it doesn't become just part of your, your rhetoric and your thinking. It actually becomes part of the consumer promise. We end every interview with the same question, but it's been so long since I last asked you what's next that you've since done all of those things. So in terms of clean beauty and sustainability, what is next for Grown Alchemist? I think um, the, the most important part that we've probably realised more and more since we spoke last is um, you cannot create 
the kind of change we would love to see in the skin and that you can achieve in the skin without a holistic view. Yeah. And so that means that physical space is important because we're unfortunately as much as we've got used to virtual and it's lovely and we're doing a, uh, you know, a virtual moment here. Um, we are physical creatures and we need at the end of it, um, uh, a space to go to actually assist in the regeneration. So that means mm. things like, you know, drip therapy and a place to go for drip therapy, um, and nutrient, um, release. Um, it's about imparting and the ability to do more and more, um, through scientifically advanced natural treatments to, to create that healthy skin to resource that renewal fu function in the body. And so that's one of the things that in a world where we've gone virtual, we're really looking at how we can get more and more physical presence to connect at, at a human level and a physical level with the customer and, our, and, 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 and the consumer to ensure that, you know, everything we can do, um, is is being done to assist in that journey for them and and some of that can be still virtual because it's information um and uh it can be things as simple as cooking and what you eat and what you don't eat or, or partnering with people who know um, that space really really well and are experts in functional um, diets and, and functional medicine um so it's really it's really starting to um, bring some of the team that we've got in the background that have been quite happy to sit in the background um, uh, and saying, wait a minute, you've got something to say here that was, has been really important to our journey that I think could be important to other people's journey. And I think there's a lot more interest to hear that now and to be part of that conversation because it's not just a one-way conversation. That's, that's not just a one-way message. That's a conversation. Mm. Um, and so... I think if there's one thing I'd love to see over the next 12 months, it's it's to engage in and be part of more and more of these important conversations about what is function in the body, what is function in the skin, what is health, what is aging, how do we stop it, how do we slow it, can we turn it back, can we re-health, which is a wonderful, um, you know, the wonderful thing about the body that everybody can take comfort in is you can spend years and years destroying it and it can repair itself in three months, right? In a very short period of time. So I, I'm super excited about, um, you know, creating those moments more and more and more around different parts of the world. Um, and that's kind of our focus in the next few, few years probably. That was Jeremy Mouse co-founder and CEO of Grown Alchemist, which you can find online at grownalchemist.com or on Instagram at grownalchemist. Grown Alchemist's Clean Start program is running now for a limited time and is available in-store, online or via selected David Jones stores. Purchase one product for 10% off, two products for 20% off, three products for 30% off or four products for 40% off. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share 
so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast. And thank you for joining me.